Let us pray this morning. Oh, gracious Lord, we, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is right here with us, that you are right here with us. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear your word and to apply it to our lives as you give leading. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to be reading from a familiar passage from the second chapter of the book of Acts. We're going to read from the first verse, and I'm going to read through the twelfth verse. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at that sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in, a native, in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are, these all, are, all, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that, they, that we hear each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Earlier this week, I experienced a windstorm with gray clouds and big winds and downed trees. I was outside in my backyard with my grandchildren. We have a lot of trees on our yard and behind, the children were playing on the swing set and behind the swing set we have woods. And I happened to look up at the sky and through the trees I noticed that part of the sky was, had gray, gray clouds. And another part of the sky had a bright, bright clouds with, with, with blue sky behind it. So I took that opportunity to point out this fascinating weather event to my grandchildren and to let them know that you can look at the clouds and when you see clouds like this that are gray, it might mean that there's a storm coming. Sometimes you get a little bit of a heads up when something is coming, if you pay attention. I expected that it could rain at any moment, but instead, very quickly, we got wind. So much wind that was gusting through the yard and it was blowing all the leaves all around till they came to rest on the ground and and then we would hear the wind and it'd go through the trees and the woods and all of a sudden you'd hear a crack and you knew that a tree branch had fallen 
And that happened a couple of times before we decided it might be better to go to the screen porch. At least we'd be a little bit safer, but we could still see what was going, what was going on and we could watch. The wind can be graceful and gusty and it wields power for everything it touches. Now my grandchildren were worried. They hadn't been in any kind of a weather event like this and, and, and even though we were safe, the wind was unpredictable and it was a little bit too much power for their comfort. I myself found that I wanted to go back out in the wind and I wanted to feel it blow around me and, and experience that, but I didn't because I didn't want to make the children afraid. So we stayed in the porch and we, we watched from there. The wind can be scary, but it can also be amazing. Now these weren't hurricane force winds by any means, even though we are just now starting hurricane season. And they didn't take very long, didn't last for, for a long time, but it did get our attention. We could not ignore it, especially being out in it. So this passage from Acts that we just read speaks about an event involving a powerful wind that impacted the, the apostles and other believers. It seemed to have come without warning, but in actuality, Jesus had told the disciples that this would happen, that, that he would be sending what he called the advocate when he was gone. But they didn't really, so that would have been their notice. That would have been their heads up if they had connected the two. But I'm not sure that the disciples actually knew when and how the advocate would come. Certainly not in the way of a rushing breeze, perhaps, or wind. But the advocate, or the Holy Spirit, is spoken of in several places in the Bible. In John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, and again in 25 and 26, it reads this. We read this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it, never, it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. And then in verse, four, verse 25, I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and will remind you of all that I have said to you. Sometimes you get a little heads up if you're paying attention. Now this was just one passage, this is just one passage that speaks of the Holy Spirit's coming. Jesus let them know that when he was gone, the Spirit would come and be with him, the advocate. Some translations of your Bible will call it uh, the helper or the comforter. And in the Greek, they call it the paraclete, which also means to, to stand close by, to be close beside, or, and it can also mean a legal advocate. There's a, a legal sense to that term. Someone who makes right decisions and judgments, um, who could plead another's cause. We also read that the Spirit will teach and remind us of what Jesus has taught. I think all of these terms are hopeful and positive images of the Holy Spirit. Our, our advocate our helper and our comforter. 
Now another image that we have for the Holy Spirit is that of breath. It's interesting to consider another word study for you, that the word for wind and spirit can also sometimes be used for breath. Now we need to breathe to live. Every cell in our bodies needs that oxygen, needs that breath in order to, to be healthy and survive and thrive. And likewise, the Holy Spirit's life-giving, and we need it just like we need to breathe. When I was a chaplain resident, a colleague of mine shared this exercise with me on breathing. You may have heard me talk about this, or you may be familiar with something like this. I found it to be so helpful that I use it often for myself and for others who are anxious or, or wanting to relax. And it's a simple breathing in and breathing out technique. <clears throat> you breathe in deeply and slowly. You breathe out the same way. And you do this several times. Not fast, but slowly and deeply. And as you do, you will begin to feel yourself relax. Be more relaxed, be more calm. It's hard to imagine something so simple can work, but it does. And I encourage you to use it whenever you feel like that. Now what I tend to do in addition to that, which helps me even more, is that when I breathe in, I think of the Holy Spirit coming in. And when I breathe out, I think of my anxiousness or whatever I'm feeling going out. Now you can use whatever feelings or, or words make sense to you and have meaning for you. You could breathe in goodness, or love, or peace, or hope, patience, gratefulness. And likewise, you could breathe out sadness, nervousness. Anything, frustration, anything, anything that is, is, is making you uncomfortable, hopelessness, fear. I find that the visualization and the word images help me to focus on the word and on my breathing. And then that helps me to release the negativity that I'm experiencing. As you fill your lungs with the life-giving breath of the Holy Spirit, you turn your thoughts and your feelings to God. And you no longer have the feeling of the negative situation. You receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and the negativity no longer has power over you. The wind can be as graceful as a breath, or as gusty as a storm, and it wields power that impacts everything it touches. <clears throat> now the passage from Second Acts, the second, excuse me, the second chapter of Acts speaks of a wind or something of a force that sounds like a wind that enters this building, this place where they are all at, where the apostles and the community of believers is, is at. It is said that there are probably 120 believers at this place. And this is a strange occurrence to say the least. And I can imagine and understand why people would have been scared or confused. 
The passage tells us that people experience bewilderment, astonishment, and amazement. Good words to describe what was going on that day, as Vicki did. Not only did they experience the roar of the wind, but they also saw what was described as tongues of fire above their heads. Images of the Holy Spirit and the miracle that they were about to experience. The apostles and the believers received the Holy Spirit that day. Now the passage goes on to let us know that they were not alone there, that they were not the only ones there, that there were others come from other nations, Jews from, from all over, that were residing in, in Jerusalem at the time. Now they probably spoke Greek as it was the language of Rome, but they also spoke in their native languages. And as the apostles and the other believers spoke, all those present, each one understood what they were saying in their own language. The Holy Spirit spoke through them and enabled this to happen, enabled the speaking and enabled the understanding. They weren't speaking spiritual languages. They were speaking normal languages that did not need to be interpreted. Each one understood what was being said that day. What an amazing experience. I can only imagine what that would have been like. However, they all weren't sure what it all meant and what enabled this group of believers to speak as they did so that everybody could understand. Some even happened to wonder, they kind of wondered out loud, perhaps these people are drinking. Now, as the chapter continues beyond the verses that we read, we hear that Peter preached to the group, and he explained what has been going on, and he also shared the good news of Jesus. And many welcomed that message and became believers. They say about 3,000 that day. They followed the teachings of the apostles after that. They shared fellowship, meals, and prayer. And this was the beginning of the church. The Holy Spirit was the cause for everything they experienced that day. And it's the life breath of the church. Members in this early church were from many different nations and they, they came together to worship and to study and to eat and to pray and to live in community. They were not all of one thought, they were not all alike, but they came together and they grew into a community of faith, together in their uniqueness and their diversity. I think there are times when we think we would like to have a community of faith or be a part of another group, perhaps, that thinks like we do, that thinks like I do. I know not everybody in this room thinks like I do, and I think we're each individuals, but we sometimes want to be with people that do think like we do, whatever that happens to be. And it seems easier or more comfortable to us, I think. But does it really help us to grow spiritually, intellectually, socially, if we're not ever challenged or exposed to any other ideas or opinions? If we're not, I think we're more likely to continue on our current path the same path we've been on, and maybe hold, continue to hold on to our, our same ideas and thoughts and opinions, never questioning what we think, 
never learning anything new. Now the Holy Spirit challenges us and exposes us to new opportunities in faith development. The Holy Spirit is present in each of our lives and in the faith community here in our church in different ways, at different times, in different situations. In this passage, we see that the Holy Spirit presents itself in a public arena, displaying power and presence, one through which many people believed, 3,000. At other times, I think that the Spirit communicates with us in a more subtle or quiet way. How have you experienced the Holy Spirit in your life? We may feel the Spirit working in an answer to prayer. We may hear a voice or sense a message from the Spirit in our thoughts or in a series of events. We may even sense the Spirit's presence in a conversation with a friend. And sometimes we may even have physical sensations, like a a feeling deep in our heart or in the core of our being, an urging or a nudging someplace in our thoughts. We may feel a a warm sensation or, or a chill or a tingling at a particular moment in time, at a particular situation. These are just a few. I can't possibly name all the ways in which the Holy Spirit might touch you or or let you know of its presence. And those experiences are personal, perhaps, between you and God, and so very, very powerful. Of course, the next question to ask is what do you do? What do you do when you feel the sense of the Holy Spirit urging and encouraging you to say something, to do something, to step out in faith. Do you try to ignore it? Maybe. But hopefully not. Or do you pray about it? Do you speak to somebody that you trust about what's going on and what you're feeling and thinking? Do you take that step in faith to pursue it? Now, stepping out in faith can be ner- make us nervous. And following the Spirit can be scary. But prayerfully, taking that step can be overwhelmingly fulfilling and exciting. We can, of course, say no. And life will remain the same. But in doing that, I think that we limit ourselves. We limit our lives. We limit our possibilities, perhaps. You know, we might also be limiting God's interaction with us, hoping that God will just interact with us in ways that we're comfortable with, in ways that aren't risky, that aren't unfamiliar. We like familiarity. We like our safety zone, I think, sometimes. But if we want to deepen our relationship with the Lord and strengthen our faith, We need to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, where that Holy Spirit is leading us. And with prayer and discernment, 
step out in faith when the time is right. And this can be scary because it requires us in some ways to give up control, to not be, have all the decisions, to at least not think that we're in control or not think that we can make decisions. It's not easy to let go of that control and let the Spirit fill us, guide us, and show us things that we couldn't possibly know or see any other way. To show us glimpses of God. The Holy Spirit was not only given to the believers on Pentecost, it is for you today as well. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have also been given that wonderful gift to have the advocate, the helper, comforter with us forever. So I encourage you and I urge you to open your eyes and your ears and your hearts to experience where the Spirit is leading you today. Where will the wind of the Spirit lead you? Yes, it can be a little scary, but it can also be marvelous and it's not to be missed. To God be the glory. Amen.